You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. We are back. Football is back, and LSU has reported for camp. And more importantly, Josh and I are back. As Josh Lemoyne is joining us today, and we will get you ready for camp. We'll talk a little bit of recruiting, just touch on that 2020 class, as it's pretty much done. Uh, there's only a few spots left to fill, and it looks like Ed Ogeron is already looking at that 2021 class. And we will also get to some of y'all's questions as y'all uh, posted some questions on Twitter, or the Twitter machine, as Coach O likes to call it. But before we get into it, Josh, I would like to bring you in just Tell us how you've been doing. Uh, how's the summer going for you so far? Oh, man, it's it's going good. Extremely busy. Uh, we moved into a new home, uh, to a one-story home. Uh, some people might know this. But I got two little girls, two-year-old and one-year-old. So I lived in a two-story, and that just wasn't working out. So we ended up moving to a one-story. Uh, we get set, we got settled in and um, just getting ready for football season, you know, and always staying, staying pretty uh, busy with work and you know keeping up with the with the LSU hype well let, let's talk about this LSU hype LSU coaches poll comes out today they're number six uh it looks like there's a lot of respect and a lot of people across the country are recognizing what this team has talk about last year you see the Vegas prediction of the six and six season uh, a lot of LSU fans are really salty about that but this year looking at it a lot of people are saying LSU's a 10 and 2 11 and 1 team which is kind of where I have them uh, it seems like the projections for this team is like a complete 180, right? This is going to be the first time Coach Ogeron is the head coach for this LSU team where their projections for this team are ex- extremely high. Uh, in terms of coaching, what do you think we see from Coach O this year? Do we see a, a different mentality? Do we see him struggle with such high expectations? I think Coach O has been around this game for so long. I don't I don't think he'll struggle with the expectations. Um, I I think overall he's going to have the team prepared and, you know, ready to play good football. Um, I've, some, of the, some of the younger guys, that, um, and just to be honest, a lot of the guys on this team, you know, they haven't been around for the, I would say, you know, the heyday of LSU in the early to mid-2000s. So this is kind of new for, for a lot of these guys on, on this program. I mean, they know what's expected of them. At LSU, you know, I mean, they're around it all the time, like you said, looking on a Twitter machine. Uh, but I think this is the first time that a lot of these guys are going to actually, you know, be encountered with this in, in their college careers is that's expectations. And as you know, Charles, when LSU fans have expectations of 10 or 11 wins, you know, and, you know, if you only win eight, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard. The media is going to be on them and, you know, the fans will be on them. So but uh, I think overall it's going to do a darn good job this year with the team. So I know we'll get more into that. Well, a lot of guys asked some questions to us, and I think we'll cover some of those questions. But let's just dive into what we're looking at for camp, what we're looking at for this team for this upcoming season, and, and kind of our concerns, things that we're high on uh, going into the 2019 season, uh, a season where you get an easy game, kind of a warm-up game, and then you're really tested when you go on the road against Texas. But let's look at the offensive side of the ball first, Josh. Uh, LSU is bringing back 89% of their scholarship snaps on the offensive front from a season ago. 
Uh, you had two guys, Lloyd Cushenberry and Damian Lewis, both who earned all SEC honors uh, at, at the media days for the preseason team. And, and you bringing back guys like Austin Deculus and C.D. Charles, it's that other guard position that's kind of up in the air, right? And, and maybe a, a position that's going to have uh, some competition between guys like Adrian McGee, Chasen Hines, Cardell Thomas. Looking at this this uh, offensive front for the Tigers, especially if they don't get a guy like Ed Ingram back at uh, some point in the season, which is looking less and less likely as the days go on. Uh, what do you like about this offensive front, and, and what concerns do you have about the offensive front? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes into the to the first you know question that we we talked about is the expectations. Uh, really, the offensive line is probably my number one concern on this entire team. Uh, I think you know if you sat Ed coach O down and, and talk to him one-on-one uh, that that's probably what he would tell you is um, the expectation is going to be high, but we, we need to see a higher level of play from uh, the LSU offensive line. I know we talked a lot about it last year. It just wasn't up to par where it needed to be, especially on the edges at left tackle. And, you know, sometimes at, at right tackle. Uh, so I, I expect these guys to have improved play. Like you said, you know, Almost the whole line's coming back. Um, they should have that cohesion now with with the offensive line, and uh, I expect these guys to play play a notch up. You know, we we'll get into it more, but I think some guys are stretching their abilities at some of these positions. But overall, I expect these guys to be a B minus B plus offensive line this year at LSU. And I think if, if they can get that type of type of play, you know, LSU can win ten or 11 games this year. Yeah, and, and just to give kind of an update on Ed Ingram, his court date is September 13th. Ogeron did say at the, um, I think it was at Lions Club luncheon, that he hopes to have him back at some point this season because we've seen the videos, right, Josh? Ed Ingram yep. has, has been participating in practice, he, and he looks incredible, right? You know, he slides in, and he's on this team. He's just starting guard, and, and you're talking about the best, probably interior offensive line in the SEC, if I'm not wrong. Oh no, you're you're dead on. No, it, I mean, some people are like, wow, you're gonna make that big of a difference. But look, I, I'm gonna call it how how it is, and I do a lot of talent evaluation. Ed Ingram is an NFL caliber guard. So is Damian Lewis, and you know Lloyd Cushenberry. I'm not saying he's a high elite level NFL center, but he's he's a very capable guy and he's very intelligent. So you know, if you would slide Ed Ingram in there, then I think you know you probably have you know a top three interior offensive line in the country, you know, I would agree hundred percent with you on that. Well, we talked a little, or you kind of hit on that tackle position, you know, guys that really aren't traditional tackles playing tackle for LSU, but you know, Sadiq last year, it seemed like he kind of took a step back. Whereas the year before really seemed like going into last season, Josh, that we felt really comfortable with that left tackle position and kind of saw like a drop off in Sadiq's play. Do you expect Sadiq to have a better season this year? I mean, I, I think he has to. For LSU to compete at the highest levels, Charles, Sadiq's going to have to step his game up. You, you know, you hit the nail on the head there because when he was coming off, you know, the first year there with some playing time, everybody was impressed. You know, I wasn't expecting him to play that well. And, you know, we talked about expectations. Last year we had some expectations of him to move up. And, you know, he had some good moments, but like you said, he had some moments that just, you know, it was – it wasn't great. You know, sometimes he got he got beat off the edge. And uh, so I'm, I expect Sadiq to, you know, he has to up that up to level of play. You know, I know it's the SEC, but 
left tackle in the SEC for LSU, it's not going to be easy, you know. And it's not saying Charles isn't talented, but that, that's tough for, you know, the most talented lineman in, in the country. You go against elite talent almost week in and week out. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Charles, but recently uh, I've seen uh, Charles was working out with um, Willie Anderson, the, the great Cincinnati Bengal. And uh, he looks like he really got himself in shape to play that position. He don't look like he has any excess fat on. He's leaned out. And honestly, in today's game, Charles, this passing game that we'll get more into, this spread game, that left tackle has to be almost, you know, almost like a tight end with his, his footwork. He has to be lean. He has to be able to move. So um, it was a pleasant surprise to see how, how well he looked. So he looked like he was really getting himself in shape. Yeah, and you, you kind of just look at who LSU has to play. They play five teams in the top 16 uh, in terms of rankings that have come out already. Uh, teams that have great defensive fronts in Auburn and Alabama. Uh, you, you talk about a Florida. You're talking about teams that are elite up front. you got to have tackles that can you know, move, have good footwork and, and protect the pocket and give Joe time you know, to make passes. But speaking about Joe – Josh, we're going in the second year of having a quarterback at LSU. I know we've seen this in the past, but, man, uh, there's got to be a lot of excitement about Burrow going into season two and what he's going to be able to do with this new offense. Yeah, I mean, just if you're any LSU fan, you followed this program for the last 15 to 20 years that it's, you know, it's a, the quarterback position has been, you know, uh, the joke of a lot of other programs at LSU, but um, – the stability there for us to have another, the same quarterback coming back for the second year, you know, to me, even if Joe has his numbers are similar to what he had in 2018, maybe, you know, maybe a little better here and there, but it's just the fact that he's been there with the guys. Now they know he's the clear leader of this program and, you know, of this team. And it just, he's, it's a stable position now and he can get the guys lined up properly. He can, you know, get them in the right positions to make plays, um, it's just going to help everything across the board. The run game, you know, it's, it's going to help the pass game, obviously. So I'm just excited, Charles. And I know you've all we talked about this. That we, it's, I expect some good things from Joe this year. I just think he's, he's a good, capable quarterback. And I just don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. You know what I mean? So I'm excited. Look, a lot in the past has been made about quarterback. But a lot has also been made about receiver. I mean, LSU's got some of the best receivers in the NFL today, you talk about guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. Uh, you can even look like at a guy that just saw make a catch on tonight's NFL game and, and Russell Gage. LSU has talented receivers, and everyone's always known that, right? But I think this could be one of the deepest, most talented LSU receiving classes uh, in maybe the history of the program. And it all starts out with a guy like Justin Jefferson, and then you got a guy like Jamar Chase opposite of, uh, of him. Does LSU, you know, even if you go down to Terrence Marshall and go to a couple others, does LSU have maybe the best receiving corps in the SEC this year? Uh, you know, I think the, the potential's there. Um, the last few years, of, you know, it's it's just it's weird. I know that the talent's there. It's just it's, it's had the wide receiver position is. We know all the talents there. We know they got the four and five stars. Just it's like they can't get over that hump, you know. I think I'm, every year we're waiting for this receiving core just just to break out, and you know it could be this year. Like you said, uh, Charles, the the talent is just you know it's uber talent. You know, Marshall the five star. You know, Chase was a five star. Stephen Sullivan, you know, four. I mean, just loaded. So I think it's just having Joe in there again for another year is going to help all these guys out. Bringing in Joe Brady. 
a guy that worked with the Saints and having that spread type offense, he's going to put guys like Chase in a much better position uh, to make plays in space. And uh, so I think it was a it's a couple of things and we'll talk more about it, but I think some of it was, was coaching. I think actually a decent amount of it was coaching to get these guys in the positions to make plays and get them in space. So yeah, Charles, the potential is there for these guys to be a, you know, a top two or three wide receiving core in the SEC for sure. Well, I look at, you know, Joe Burrow's stats last year and his completion percentage being right under 60 at 57.8. I see him throwing 16 touchdowns. And look, you know, Joe, it took him a very long time before he finally threw a pick, right? And so that's something I would like to see this season as well. But we're going to have to see that completion percentage, you know, go up at least 10 percentage points. And those touchdowns, I think it was the year in 2003, uh, Matt Mock, I think, had like 28 touchdowns that year. So, so I think we're going to have to see more from the passing game for this program uh, to compete if they want to for a national championship. Yeah, look. I was talking about this today uh, with a coworker that I want to see Joe with about 25 to 30 touchdowns and about 65% completion with, you know, right around that 2,800 to 3,500 yards. We could get that production out of Joe this year. I'm not asking him to be the Heisman Trophy quarterback, but it, but if we can get that production out of him, 65 to 67% completion with about 25 to 30 touchdowns, Charles, I think we're right there at the end. You know, I'm not sure if we win the national title, but I think we're right there in that top four or five teams if Joe can play that consistent for us. Yeah, I think that'll be huge. Quarterback play has always been a big uh, catalyst for these programs at LSU that have won national championships. You, do see the, you know, the last time LSU did go to the national championship and lost, there were quarterback issues, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and they're documented. They're known. So I think if you get consistency from Joe, Bur- uh, Joe Burrow uh, in this new um, um, program, I, you know, I, I think that this is going to be something that, you know, just drives this offense and, and helps out what we're going to talk about next, which is a young backfield, uh, take some stress off of them. Because the backfield has always been important for LSU's offensive success. Uh, really, you only have one guy who had a ton of carries last year coming back. And that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who had uh, 146 carries last year. And other than that, you've got Chris Curry and Leonard Fournette, who combined for 20 carries. So, you know, we talk about the freshmen coming in, but Clyde is going to have a huge role in this offense. But, Josh, I really think that by the end of the season, it's going to be Ty Davis and Emory that are running the show. Yeah, I mean, that that potential's there. Um you know, the, the guy, like you mentioned before, that I'm really interested to see is uh, Chris Curry. You know, I, I think he kind of plays that Nick Brossett role um, to, to, to start the season off. I think O gives him, you know, gives him that chance um, with with Emory mixed in there. You know, obviously Emory is he kind of be that swing back and that, you know, that running back that can do it all. Um but yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by Chris Curry. I know if, I don't know if you've seen the pictures today of him uh, reporting for camp, but he put on some weight and he looks like an SEC, you know, let's just say running back that can pound it. Um, so either way, I think we're um, we're extremely uh, talented at that position, and I think you might just have to deal where maybe Clyde and uh, Clyde and Chris Curry can give a little bit of the the senior playing time early in the season to kind of get Emory and Ty you know, maybe by week three and four where they can get some reps and get comfortable with the speed of the uh, of college football. 
And I wouldn't be surprised, Charles, that by the, you know, like you said, by week nine and ten, that if if Emery is a is one of a major focal point in uh, Joe Brady's new offense. Well, Josh, we have some breaking news as number eighteen has been announced. There are two this year, Josh, uh, as Lloyd Cushenberry will be one of them, the first offensive lineman to wear eighteen, and Calavion Chasson will be the other guy waiting uh, wearing eighteen this season. Uh, what are your just initial thoughts on those two guys? Oh, I love it. Um, I mean, like I, I stated earlier, Lloyd Cushenberry, he's, you know, if you speak to any of the players or hear anything public about him, they said he's a wonderful kid, very intelligent, you know, is a, a real leader. Um, and Clavion Chason, you know, I, I didn't really cross my mind, but that's, you know, I know why that, that pick was there because of his hard work to get back from the injury. Um, and you've seen, he was back four or five months after his, his injury working, working his tail off. So I love that, you know, for a guy that didn't even really play last year and for him to get to number 18, I mean, dang, man, that's, that's great. You know, Charles, that's, that just shows that he, he's committed to the program, you know, and, and we all know he's going to be a heck of a player. He's, he's kind of forgotten, uh, but man, he was one of the best edge guys coming out of high school, five-star stud. So, you know, it's going to be exciting watching him. Yeah, I was going to wait to talk about him until we got to defense. But, you know, let's talk about Chase on right now. You know, he's a guy going into last season that people were talking about breaking the sack record, you know, not only at LSU, but, I, I you know, in the SEC. And they were talking about him getting 15 sacks in a season. Uh, and people really aren't talking about him going into the season. I, I think people are going to be surprised and, and almost, you know, dumbfounded when they – think oh man we forgot about him coming back this year it just his pass rush ability is off the charts josh oh uh, yeah i mean it's it really is and like you said you know uh, people that don't keep up with you know with the program and the team as much as myself and you you know we're a little crazy when it comes to that but you know they i talk lsu with the average fan and he's not even brought up and i say you know chase on's coming to oh yeah that's right um he was pretty good out of high school wasn't he i'm just like I just can't wait, you know, because a lot of people really don't understand what LSU is getting there. They're getting one of the best edge guys in the country. Um, and in that Miami game, the little bit of time he had, he made a major impact, you know. So, um, yeah, he, he's just going to be a game changer. And, I, you know, I'm just I'm excited for him, man. You know, you've seen all the, the videos and everything, all the hard work he's put in. Uh, and now he gets to wear number 18. Man, that's that's exciting. So, uh, you know, that's that's good for Chase on. Yeah, you know, in, in that Miami game, ended up having three tackles. He had uh, one for loss and, and then also had a sack. And, and, you know, he had an impact on that game. I, I expect him to have an impact week in and week out. Really excited to see what he does. Uh, you, we kind of talked about Cushenberry already, but you kind of see more on, on what what type of uh, guy he is on and off the field uh, at SEC Media Days. He, he's a true leader. He's a guy, Josh, I remember when he came in, uh, and I think we even talked about this last year, that he was a little undersized at center. But I think center is one of those positions where grit, heart, really goes a far, a long way at the end of the day. And that's something that Cushenberry has both of. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, uh, Charles. I think it's so important, too. You know, the center position is so important, you know, at any level of football. But I honestly believe in college football, it's probably the most important to me because once you get to the NFL, uh, that level of football, the quarterback's expected to know you know so much, and obviously the center is important. 
But I just think in in the college level, if you have a center that's intelligent, can play you know play the role well, he doesn't have to be the top center in the country, but he needs to be smart, intelligent, get a lot of these young guys lined up in the right positions to not make mistakes. If you can keep the mistakes down, the, the guys are talented. You know, they're all big, strong guys. But the key is getting these guys not to make mistakes. And then Cushenberry's an intelligent guy, getting them re- in, set up, you know, and it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be good. I think when the season's said and done, Cushenberry, you know, could be in the talks there to be, you know, maybe a second or third team All-American. I think he's that good. Well, a little update to number 18. There will only actually be one guy wearing 18 in games, and that will be uh, Chase on as uh, Cushenberry being an offensive lineman is restricted to his numbers. So he will wear a 79, but will have an 18 patch. So, um, you know, Cushenberry still gets the honor, but uh, number restrictions kind of played a role. Josh, were you surprised not to see somebody else uh, get that 18? Um. No, not not really. I think I I kind of you know I leave that up to Coach O and and you know the team and yeah I, I I'm not surprised you know I, I was expecting to kind of be somebody that wasn't necessarily all over the Twitter machine or wasn't a player that we all we see all over you know Instagram and and posting I expected to kind of be those guys and if you if you follow them guys on social media they're very quiet chase on. You know, he's he's on social media, but, yeah, he's a pretty quiet guy. He posts a lot of stuff about, you know, church and things like that. So um, I expected it to be some guys like that, that are just quiet guys that go out there and get the job done. Hey, well, for a programming note, I did have who should be number 18. So glad it broke <laughs> while we were recording. But, uh, Josh, let's get back into the offense. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the Joe Brady effect, but to get into that, I think talking about that tight end position and, and the screen game, something else she really hasn't been able to do since really the days of, uh, back in 03 when Jimbo was around. I, I think that we're going to see the screen game. It's going to be a huge part of this offense. I think it's going to help with that tackle position, something we talked about earlier, you know, with some of these speed rushers from uh, universities like Alabama, Texas, Florida, and, and the overall um, play of the tight end position. I, I think you're going to see a lot more from tight end, whether it, it's a guy like uh, Stephon Sullivan who's moving over. Josh, I think he's going to have a huge year. Or, or even a guy like Thaddeus Moss and, and some other guys that can contribute. I think tight end and that screen game is, is going to be huge this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it absolutely has to be, right? That was part of the part of the thing last year that we've seen some some evolution of the uh, of the offense. But the screen game was almost non-existent. You know, that that part of the offense that we've talked about last year that we were hoping to see, that, you know, get the guys in space, that Alvin Kamara-type offense that you see Sean Payton run. And that's what we're hoping when, when Embry's here, that he kind of plays that role. Um, Jamar Chase kind of plays that, that Alvin Kamara role. You know, they use those guys to put him in space. And I like what you said, the tight end screen game, that gets forgotten a lot, but Man, LSU's got talent. They move Sullivan over to that tight end position to pay, play like Coach O said today, the Jimmy Graham, you know, type uh, type tight end. And in this in this hybrid offense in today that in today's world, I mean, it, it's a must. You know, he's a tight end, but you know, he's just a, a wide receiver that's playing clo- close to the line a lot of times. So um, I'm excited. You know, the talent's there. We're going to have to see if we can put it all all together this year. 
Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. And, and you know, we kind of hit on Joe Brady, but I, I think the RPOs are going to be huge. I don't think they're going to put Burrow in many situations where he's going to be taking shots, but I do think the elusiveness is going to be out there. I think you're going to see some of the things we saw with the Saints. Uh, you know, Nick Underhill did this back-to-back seasons where he charted every single play, and, and the Saints rarely ran the same play out of the same formation uh, multiple times throughout a, a 16-game season plus the playoffs. So I think you're going to see a lot of that from LSU elusiveness. You're going to see new things. It's going to be uh, it's going to be all about confusing the defense. And, and Josh, I've heard what um, what's been said. You know, on the inside and the outside of this building, and, and then you know you get Dave Aranda out on on the radio, and he says, "Man, it, this offense is is difficult to you know game plan against." So I I think that we're going to see a lot from Joe Brady. We've talked about his impact, but just kind of hit on it as we're getting into camp, getting into the season preview, uh, and just getting into the season. Uh, what Brady can bring to this offense? Yeah, I think Brady Brady he has to bring. Like we said, it has to bring that that Saints feel to to LSU. Um, Coach O, he's a smart guy, and he said, "You know what? It, it's time. I, I gotta I, I gotta be all in on this this offensive change that almost you know a lot of these big programs are are going to. Alabama went to it a few years ago, and um, you can see you know with Matt Canada was there. It was maybe a little early for Coach O to to buy in fully, uh, but he goes there, he goes to the Saints and gets, you know, their young up-and-coming coach, like a Sean McVay type, um, and he brings them in and says, look, uh, I'm, I'm all in on the RPO, I'm all in on the spread. I'm, so we have to see it, Charles, and I know we'll talk more about it, but we have to see LSU go to a true spread-type RPO offense or it's going to be a rough, rough year for Coach O. And I think that's even if we are winning some games that, you know, to compete now at, at, at this level, there's so many athletes on the field that he has to fully buy in, you know, to to that offense. Yeah, you know, he really has to just take the chains off and just let it be run. Uh, I, I think you see Saban has done that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we kind of talked about what Canada brought to LSU. And, and, you know, what he was doing, look at that Alabama game. That's the most yards LSU's ever racked up against Alabama in probably a decade, you know? So it, the thing was he put the chains on that offense. And, and you know, he didn't like uh, where things were going when things weren't working rather than stick with things and, and see how they work out. So I hope that, you know, Coach O allows that to happen. I, you know, I hope to see a lot of influence from Brady this year because I think Brady uh, is a guy that, you know, in circles of not only around the university, but throughout college football and the NFL, it is highly respected. And people really, you know, appreciate and recognize and respect what he's been able to do uh, with the offense in terms of, you know, uh, play calling and kind of game managing uh, the offense. So I'm excited to see what the offense does, Josh. I know you are as well. But like you said, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, we've been there. Uh, time and time again. So even at that first game, I don't think they'll show much. But that Texas game, Josh, I think from early on the season, we'll kind of get some understanding of what this offense is really going to be about. No, yeah, you're right, Charles. And let me, uh, you know, you talk about week one, we're, we're not going to show too much. But honestly, 
I really I'd like to see LSU. You know, we've heard this in the past so many years. Oh, where Coach O would say, you know, we're we're only showing fifty percent of the offense. Well, I think you got to come out in week one, and obviously we don't want to show them everything, but you got to come out with that offense and give these guys an opportunity to run, run these plays, and you know, run it against you know a real competition. Georgia Southern's a that's a that's a good program. You know, they won a lot of games. So um, let them go out there and run, try to run this offense the way, you know, it was intended to be ran so they get comfortable. Because like you said, you go right into, you know, week two against Texas, you know. So if, if you don't you come out ready to play, you know, obviously Texas can, can beat anybody in the country when, when they're on their game. So um, I hope Coach O gives them the opportunity in week one to really, you know, really use that offense and, and see what it can really do. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. You know, we really don't want to see that a score like Southeastern. Uh, and, you know, it's not that you're beating up on a team, but a 49-7, 49-3 type of score in that first game, Josh, I, I think is is expected from a national championship type of team, right? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I would give them a break. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of people last year were saying, I mean, come on. And, and they were right, you know, Louisiana Tech, you know, Southeastern like that, but – you know, I think this year, I, I think I would give him one pass this year. Like week one, you know, they got knocked the rust off. If we don't look like we're, you know, you're you're getting everything, all the rust knocked off. If it ain't a 49 to, to, to 10 game, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be screaming there. It's the high heavens that um that it's it's over and we don't have the offense. But we got to see some, we got to see some drastic changes by, you know, week three and week four. If not, I think. You know, we might be going back down that kind of same road we did last year where we're not fully committed committed to the offense. But um, I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, Coach O went out and uh, he went and got Brady for a reason, you know, so. Yeah, you know, I, I think also, Josh, you think about it with all the success O's had in recruiting, too, is if some of these guys don't perform, they're guys nipping at their heels. You know, yeah. you talk about that running back room. You've got two guys that were top five running backs in the class. Uh, in, in the country that are going to be competing for playing time. And, and, you know, the word is that they had great workouts this summer and, you know, excited to hear what we, you know, what we can hear uh, and what is leaked about their play uh, during camp. So I, I'm excited to see what happens with this offense. But uh, before we switch over to defense, let's hit on special teams real quick. As it looks like Von Rosenberg is going to be the guy at punter, but Look, Avery Atkins is now under scholarship, a, a guy that uh, led the nation, I think, in, in touchbacks. Uh, will give it a go at that punting position. I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Avery Atkins did all three at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, he's talented, right? I mean, what a get for Coach O, like you said. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Charles, right, they said uh, he's he's going to get he's going to be on scholarship now. I think that came out yesterday or a couple yep. of days ago. So that's great. That's great for him. Um, it, it's well deserved. I mean. You know, I, I, I'm I'm one of those guys. Maybe I'm old school, but I like kicking it deep every single time. It, it takes that kick return, kick return, you know, out of play. Um, I like to kick it back for a touchback if you can every single time. Uh, I'll be get so frustrated there with LSU a couple years back with uh, gamble kicking at kicking out of bounds or short. So put LSU in bad field position a lot of times. So I'm all for the guy kicking it deep. Yeah, and you know I, he can tackle too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> <laughs> you go watch his highlight reel from high school, and he was a really good safety. So the guy is an overall just you know all around athlete, and it really helps you know kickoffs, punts, 
where your last line of defense is one of the harder hitting guys on the field. So, yeah, yeah you know, I think that brings an advantage. But uh, kind of talk about Kate York, too. Uh, it seems like the kicking job is his. Uh, after we saw what we saw from Cole Tracy last year, just overall consistent consistency. Uh, what can we expect from a guy like York this year? You know, I don't think a lot of us really don't know too much about him. I know we've we seen him, I think, in the Under Armour game, kick a 59-yarder or something like that. So, you know, we know he's got the leg. Um, but, you know, just you know how it is, Charles. You know, we've seen a lot of great kickers get on get in that stage from 100,000 people. Um, and sometimes, you know, that pressure gets to him. So um, I'll, I'll be excited to see, you know, how he handles himself early on in the season. Um Maybe Coach O, and like you said, week one, Georgia Southern, maybe gets the opportunity to let him kick some shorter field goals. Um, you know, maybe that opportunity is there. But everything I've, I've read up on and talked to some people on the inside is that, you know, he's he's extremely talented kicker. You know, so um, honestly, I think o, Coach O went and got one of the best kickers in, a, in America and just, you know, kicking it. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that I know anything about kicking. I don't think a lot of these coaches don't either. So that's why they go to these special schools for this. So, um, but he, he should be an excellent kicker for LSU, you know, over the next three or four years. So that it should be, let's just hope he pans out for us. Kicker sometimes, you know, it could be, you see with Alabama, man, you could have the best team in the world, but sometimes <laughs> you need that kicker and you just can't, I mean, you just can't make the kick. It's a killer sometimes. Yeah, um, I think LSU has been the beneficiary yeah. uh, beneficiary of some of those Alabama yeah. kicks. But uh, also, you know, Greg McMahon going into another season with LSU, uh, just having a consistent special teams coach, you know, after having that first season with O where there was no special teams coach on the field, uh, you really see the difference he makes. Uh, and, you know, with not only uh, just scoring points, but also in coverage units, uh, it's really good to have a guy like McMahon out there and you see his impact, you know, and also you kind of talk about special teams. It's really a spot for some of these younger guys uh, to get more playing time to shine. And speaking of that, your punt returner this year is going to be a guy by the name of Derek Stingley Jr. Who's that? Uh, I never, I've never <laughs> heard of that guy before. I'm not sure if you heard Ryan Clark the other day on the radio, but he said Derek Stingley would probably be the first guy taken on this team if there was a draft. I, you know, so I, I think that Stingley is going to have some electric moments, not only at cornerback, but Josh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him return one this year. Yeah, uh, you know what? Let me say this: the uh, when I heard, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm gonna when I get a chance, I'm gonna listen to it uh, about with Ryan Clark's comments and which you know. But, you know, I think back to Patrick Peterson, and we kind of heard some of the same things when he came out. And uh, I used people, I was, you know, thinking in my head, that that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. Until I got to see Patrick Peterson on the field live. And as a freshman, he may have been the best player on, on, on that whole team. <laughs> so um, it's rare. They're rare talents. Comes around, you know, every 10 to 15 years. But he Stingley seemed like he's that guy. And, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, overexcited to see him play and, uh, It'd be nice to have that guy back there, uh, back at LSU. You know, that that guy that kind of makes you stand up, you know, when Honey Badger was back there and, you know, Patrick Peterson was back there. He just – you knew, man, if they could get the ball in their hands at any any time, they could break the game open and swing the momentum. And I think that's so important in a lot of these SEC games because it's – you know, everybody's got talent. Everybody's got four and five stars on their, on their team. But 
you know, you, it's that punt return sometimes that just swings the momentum, you know, in way, and you got to have that tremendous athlete to do it. So, yeah, you can tell I'm, I'm excited for Stingley. I think pretty much the whole state is. Yeah, I agree with that there, Josh. Well, let's switch over to that defensive side of the ball. And, and you know what? Since we just talked about him, let's talk about that cornerback position, that defensive backfield, uh, one that I think is going to have three guys that are drafted in the first round. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe even a fourth when you talk about a guy like Todd Harris or Jacoby Stevens. But looking at guys like uh, Grant Delpit, who's going to be wearing seven this year, uh, Christian Fulton, who back to that Ryan Clark interview said, you know, he was better than um, Greedy Williams. Just people didn't really realize that because Greedy was there, you know. And, and then you got a guy like Derek Stingley. Man, I, you know, I think that DBU tradition is alive and well, and it's kicking really hard right now, Josh. Yeah, no, Charles, absolutely, man. You you, you know that uh, Fulton, well, you know, when I, I talked to some of my guys in the NFL and, you know, some talent evaluation, um, and obviously they would never put out public, you know, like you said, that Ryan said Fulton was the better cornerback. Greedy is obviously extremely talented. He looked like he's doing great for Cleveland, but the NFL guys and you know the the drafts the draft guys and the scouts really really like Fulton a lot. They said the only thing that when they see him, uh, they wish he was a little taller. Uh, but you know that that is what it is. And if you can play, you can play. Um, everybody I spoke to said you know he, he's a first round guy as long as he doesn't come out there and have an injury or you know plays to the same caliber he played last year that uh, they expect Fulton to, to, you know, be selected in the first round. With that being said, like you said, now you got a guy like Grant back there who's we know is a surefire top 10 pick, maybe the best player in the country on defense. So, um, yeah, LSU is loaded on the back end. And then, like you said, we even, we even mentioned Stingley and Kerry Vinson Jr., Jacoby Stevens, Todd Harris. That's a name I'm excited to see, Charles. I don't know about yourself, but I think – Todd Harris is a talented player. We got to see him in a few games last year, and he showed flashes of his athleticism. I think he's a heck of an athlete. Um, he was out of position sometimes. Young player needs to get reps, but it seemed like once he got his feet under him, um, you know, uh, with some with some snaps, he he played he played well. And you can just I like Harris. He seemed like a a really good athlete. Yeah, excited to see what Harris does. I, I agree with you there. Athleticism is off the charts. But same yep. thing with, like, Jacoby Stevens, you know. I, I expect Dave Aranda to kind of just put him as, like, a rover in places, you know, whether he moves down to linebacker, he's playing in the backfield, like, or, or deep, you know, playing back deep. I, I think Jacoby's going to have some big plays. Look, I, I, I think this DBU is just incredibly talented, and it always is. But I think this is one of the more special units this year. And, and when they get to the NFL, when they're drafted – I think it's going to show that, you know, that you have three, maybe four guys that are drafted in the first round. And, and you know, I, I heard Michael Bonnet on, I think it was today, he was on this morning and off the bench, talk about Grant Delpit. And, you know, they're going to push him for that Heisman campaign. You know, they said in terms of talent, he's right up there with Tyron Matthew. And, and, you know, you have to go back and look at his stats. But he was kind of overshadowed by Devin White last year, Josh. And, and I think people didn't realize how good of a season Delpit had. But, man, he just had, like, a magnet for the ball last year. He was flying around, making interceptions, making big plays. Adelpa is going to be huge, and, you know, it's going to be big, you know, seeing the number seven in the backfield or back in the defensive backfield once again. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be great to see. Um, but that number seven, when it's, when it's been back there, has been something real special. And I think 
Delpit is is extremely uh, extremely talented, as we all know. But yeah, I mean that's that was something that uh, Charles just brought up. The um, White there on the defense kind of overshadowed him a little bit, and I, and I, I can see that because uh, he's not. I mean, people are starting to learn more and more about him. But like earlier, I mentioned the average fan has asked me quite a bit about him. You know, they know he's a good player. Um, a lot of people don't realize that he's probably going to go top five in the draft. So you know, the average fan you know, doesn't really understand how good of a safety he is and how talented he is. So um, I think he'll be on the radar for sure this year. Like you said, I think he could possibly be a Heisman candidate, you know, a defensive player when the Heisman's rare, you know, Charles Woodson did it. It's about it. So uh, it, it's going to be fun though. And let, let me go back to Stevens real quick. I think Stevens going to be fun, right? That's going to be the toy that Aranda uses to move all around the field. Jacoby's built. He's, he has a size to almost come off the edge like a chase on almost, but then he's so athletic and you that you can, like you said, move him back out to safety. So I think they're going to have a lot of fun with Stevens this year. And you're going to see like the Corey Thompson role, but Stevens is just much more of an elite athlete than Corey Thompson was. So, um, you know, Aranda's got to be, you know, up at 2 a.m. Just making plays up on the board there for him. Well, let's look at that linebacker unit. Uh, one that, Yes, you lose Devin White, but you still have some really talented guys uh, that are coming back uh, with guys like we talked about uh, Chase already. Uh, you got guys like Jacob Phillips, Michael Divinity, uh, Patrick Queen. Um, can't forget about a guy like Ray Thornton Jr. Mm-hmm. I think that linebacking core overall is just as talented and overall as a unit may even be better than last year. I think it's better. I mean, that's, you know, some people might say I'm nuts. You, you lost a top five pick in the draft. Uh, White, you know, heads off to Tampa. But I think overall uh, the the unit is better. I think the guy's got a year under their belt. Um, Phillips is, I think he, he's an NFL guy. I mean, I think, you know, Jacob ends up going maybe not first round, but I think he's a second round guy and could be a possible first round guy. Uh, Michael Divinity moving to inside linebacker to me will be the key to if this defense can be, you know, really good, very good, or can it be elite, elite? I think Michael mm-hmm. Divinity moving to the inside linebacker position, and if he can fill that role from what I heard, you know, he's got the size, he's got the athletic ability to do it. If he can truly fill that role um, and play that position, um, at a high level, I think that's to me is the catalyst to take the defense to the elite level. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch Ray Thornton, like you said, coming off the edge. It's so extreme, you know, well-built athlete. Um, Patrick Queen, I'm a big guy. I like Patrick Queen, man. I really, I'm really impressed by that guy. I just think he's built well. Um, I think he's got an NFL body, um, and he's going to he's going to play a lot this year. And I think he can fill any number of those um, linebacker positions. Yeah, that linebacking unit, that defensive backfield, you know, both I think are going to be better than they were last year. And that's, you know, saying a lot because his defense was really talented. Uh, But, you know, it all starts in the trenches, Josh. It's been made a point time and time again by Coach O. Before we get to players, I want to talk about, you know, Meatball had uh, an injury. So he's kind of taking a step back in terms of coaching. Uh, And and apparently Coach O is going to have more of a hands-on um, uh, approach with the defensive line, a- and they're bringing in a guy who's been an analyst. Uh, can't really pronounce his name, uh, but the guy from USC who coached with uh, Coach O is really going to be taking over uh, Dennis Johnson's role 
Mm-hmm. Do we see this having some impact at all on the defensive line uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, what they're going to – or I guess, uh, you know, what they're going to end up having in terms of production this year? No, I mean, I think um, – so the, the the analyst from USC um, – be hard for me to pronounce his name, but he actually played for a coach at USC. And he was on he was on those really good national championship team, and he was a very good player um, in, at USC. So you know he's capable. Obviously, if Coach O is bringing him in, he, he thinks highly of him. So, and I think Coach O, you see, like I think this is good for Coach O. You know, because you see what Coach Saban does when it's time to get down and you know really break break out into the position. Uh, drills. You see Saban always go to the DBs. That's what he's known for. Um, and he's done a tremendous job at that. You know, I think Coach O gets to go back to teaching and coaching a little more, focusing on that defensive line. And I think it's needed. I think that defensive line needs a guy like Coach Orgeron to get back in there and do some more, you know, technique and, and really teach because, you know, it's so important, so, so important to win the SECs, to win up front. So I think it's, you know, overall it's going to be good good for Coach O to get back there and, and, you know, do some more teaching. Well, Josh, let's talk about the players. We talked about Chase on. I think he's got going to be a guy with double-digit sacks. Uh, I think it would be fitting if he had 18 sacks. But that's kind of throwing a crazy number out there. But we talk about guys like Rashard Lawrence, Braden Fahoko all the time. Uh, a guy like Glenn Logan is going to be a guy who I expect to have a big jump this season. But those three guys coming off the edge, can't forget about a guy like Neil Farrell, uh, it, it seems like that defensive end spot on this team is really solid for this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I expect a lot from these guys. You know, I don't want to hype them up too much, but I expect a lot just from that that all them guys up front. I think it's time, right? I think Rashard Lawrence stuck around for his senior year, five star recruit. You know, um, I, and look, Rashard has played tremendous. He has had a tremendous career at LSU, even if he decided to leave. I just think we're waiting for Fajoko, Lawrence, Tyler, Shelvin to kind of just that that last that last little step that okay, there's that elite elite talent that we recruited. I mean, they're they've played well at LSU, but I just I think we can squeeze a little bit more out of them there, and uh, I, you know let's hope we see that this year where Lawrence has has some really good moments and has some really good flashes. And then you'll sound, kind of sometimes see him, you know, get lost in the shuffle. And, and you, know, you, you know, two or three quarters will go by and you, you haven't really heard, heard anything from him. So um, I just hope we get more consistency from these guys up front. Fajoko coming back from the injury. Um, Charles, I don't know if you've seen today, but he's healthy. Coach O said he was benching 500 pounds. So I'm guessing the arm is good. So <laughs> the injury, uh, that looks to be good. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to put too much, you know, out there and hype and pressure on the guys. But I think this is the year we need them, Charles. This is the year these guys got to step up. You know, they're seniors, um, they're, they're juniors, and it's 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 their time. Yeah, and a guy like Fajoko, you see him in games last year when he came off the edge, was was a beast. Mm, uh, he yeah. kind of got swallowed when he got in the inside. And Richard Lawrence is a guy that we've seen big games. You know, yeah. we've seen him in some of these big contests where he shows up. But – I don't think we've ever truly got a consistent season out of him. And, and, you know, I think both of those guys, and, you know, you can even throw Glenn Logan in there as well because we hear the hype from the guys around the program saying how good he is. This is really a, a, you know, shut up or put up type of year for those guys. 
You know, they, they've got to bring it game in and game out, and they have to be playing at elite levels, which they are all capable of doing for this defense to really go. Uh, because what we'll talk about next at nose tackle is a, is a whole different you know, scenario. But these guys on the edge, uh, we know what we're going to get from Chase Hall. We know what Ray Thornton can do, but it's those defensive end guys stopping the run. Uh, getting after the passer, that they're really going to have to just go to the next level, a level we really haven't seen from these guys for a consistent season. Yeah, no, you, you're you're exactly right. Um, I like how you put it. You gotta, you gotta. This is the year to put up or shut up, man. It really is. I mean, and and I think Lawrence and Fajoko will both get drafted in the NFL at a, at a, def, a decent spot. But you know, like the scouts I was speaking to, especially about Lawrence, they said. You know, we he's a third round guy right now. You know what I mean? Like that's he's played at a third round level. You know, we think, think he's capable of playing at a second or first round level, but we, we need to see that consistently. And that sums it up. You know, I think what you're saying and what I'm saying is for Hoko and Lawrence, you know, I think they've played at third and f- fourth round NFL. You know, if we're drafting right now, let's you know, I want to see the first sort of the second round talent come out. You know, I want to see the five star recruits that, you know, have went out and got so uh it's put up or shut up, man. It really is for those guys. This is this, this is the year to prove it. Yeah, well, let's talk about that third position. As LSU does run a 3-4, nose tackle is huge in a 3-4. And LSU only really has two guys uh, that are at that nose tackle position. Now they're talented, right? I think Tyler Shelvin has shown his commitment with dropping even more weight. We kind of saw it last year where we, we finally got to see him see some significant playing time. And he was impactful, but there's a guy behind him in Siaka Aika uh, or Apu uh, that I think is going to be competing for that starting role. I think both of them are going to have significant playing time, but it's also a position that depth-wise is scary, Josh. Uh, but just ter- in terms of those two guys' impact that they can have. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Shelvin and Aika, you, you're talking about – uh, 750 pounds a man, I think, right there. 800 pounds of uh, a man playing nose tackle, and like you said, in this defense, it's 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 extremely important. So these, um, and like you said, the the depth is it is a little scary, but um, I think Ika ends up being uh, an elite elite lineman. I mean, I think we've seen you know we've seen the videos, I mean, we've seen everybody talk about it. You've seen just. I mean, matching up against the, some of the best linemen in the country at some of these all-star games and just absolutely destroying people. So, uh, Well, yeah, it looks like the defensive front does have a lot of talent, but like we said, you know, they're two to three deep. Uh, that defensive tackle position, you know, is one that is talented, right, Josh? But, you know, if an injury comes along, seems like, uh, you know, you're going to end up sliding some of those defensive end guys like Fahoko or a Lawrence or even a Glenn Logan to that d- nose tackle position. And, you know, it hurts that defensive end. It, it hurts your overall defensive line depth. But I think that, you know, defensive line is better than it was last year, right? Oh, yeah, a- absolutely, Charles. Uh, I think overall, just with the recruiting and, uh, you know, what we've talked about earlier was the angle that, the angle that Coach O took in just the recruiting aspect, the national recruiting aspect, and just having these guys back that are healthy and ready to go. Um, and like you said, the, the fact that we don't have to slide individuals into positions that they're really not uh, 
are used to or should be playing is going to be key. Um, you know, so these guys, we need to keep these guys healthy all year, and that's going to be key to LSU's success. Well, we will get more into predictions. You kind of heard where we were going a little earlier in the podcast, but we want to get to some of y'all's questions as we did get some great listener questions. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into those. Um, first question is, do we credit Oliva with obtaining the money for the facility renovations? Well, Josh, look, you know, uh, let's get into the facility renovations and talk about the facility. But I will say that we do have to credit Oliva for some of that. Also, TAF as well. Uh, Josh, you know, a lot has been made about the facility renovations, the $28 million that went into not only upgrading the locker room, but a nutrition center that has had the funding for a very long time, funding that has been obligated for this facility yeah uh, Charles I know you know that, that's a lot of facts and, and and good items right there I, you know I know this has been pretty controversial um, item on social media in the public and on the news you know you know I've stayed completely out of that situation but you know I do I do want to say this about that whole situation that you know and this is me and we don't get too political on this pod but I, you know I think I'm going to take a stance that I really don't like the professors speaking up and 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 individuals that make 100 and 100,000, 150,000, 200,000 a year being a professor and they they take that opportunity to crush some of these guys dreams here that a lot of guys this will be the only time they get to play football in a nice facility like this um, and a lot of these guys come from lower income families they've worked their whole life to get to this point and I just think it's it's inappropriate for some of these guys to make these statements public because, um, you know, we, we hear about the guys in the NFL, the Patrick Petersons, the Honey Badgers. But, you know, we forget that, you know, most of these guys don't play pro football. And this is be the last time that they get, they get to play in a nice facility, you know, have something nice like that in their life. And most of them move on to a regular job like me and you. So uh, without getting too political in the politics of the whole situation. I just, I just wish those guys would kind of keep their mouth shut about it and let these guys enjoy their time in college. You know, they sacrifice their bodies. They sacrifice a lot of things to play that game that you enjoy on a Saturday, uh, you know, and just, just you know, I'm not going to say much more than that, Charles. <laughs> yeah, we'll kind of stay clear of, of our, our one political talk for the yep. year. Uh, and that's about as much as we'll get into it. But, you know, these kids don't get paid. So give them as much as you can. You know, give them the best facility and you're keeping these kids at the facility as long as possible and as much as possible other than class, you know, and and that's the goal of what this facility does. These guys, you've seen multiple players say, hey, look, even in the pros, I'll get that quick 20 to 30 minute nap in between film practice or film weights, filming a meal, filming, going to class. Hey, get it there rather than having to go walk or drive over to you know, your your dorm or your apartment to get that nap in, you're actually getting that 30 to 40 minute nap rather than that 15 minute nap in between class. So, hey, I'm all for the whole thing of what LSU's done. I think it's an innovation that you're going to see across locker rooms, whether it be in the MLB, uh, the NFL, the NBA. Uh, you're going to see it at other colleges because it's more practical than putting an Xbox in a locker room, uh, which you've seen. It's more practical than the Alabama waterfall, right, Josh? So oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's money that's being put into something that makes sense, and this money has been allocated for that. You can't just take someone's money, like the Louisiana state budget, and just you know say, oh look, this money is supposed to be for education. Nah, well, it's going to be for our everyday budget for the capital. So 
um, this money was allocated for that. And, it, it, you know, it's going to end up being used for that. And it was, you know, you're going to see money being used across athletics as Will Wade has already gotten 25% for what he wants to do to that practice facility. Um, you know, one which, Josh, which I think is crazy, SEC champs in basketball, I know, you know, we kind of stick to football, but their offices aren't in the practice facility, and they have to go somewhere else to lift weights. Kind of crazy. You know, you think things like that would be uh, kind of normal, but it's not. But let's get to our next question, uh, one that comes from Josh Guillory, who asked, what type of influence will Joe Brady have on QBs? Something we kind of talked about Um you know, I, I think it will work some with QBs. I think that's kind of more of Innsminger. But Josh kind of asked something that we didn't really cover, which is, can you compare an offense that will give us an idea of what to look forward to? Uh, Josh, I think that, you know, the best offense to look forward or, or look to for comparison will be that New Orleans Saints offense. Is there any, anybody else that you think that uh, we could compare or look to to see some comparison for next year? Yeah, no, I mean, I think if you – if you want to get a good look at an offense, the Saints is, is should be your first stop. You know what I mean? And, but you just kind of look around the NFL and the guys that are using the innovation and using some of these tactics that that are, I would say, you know, new to the NFL. Um, go take a look what the Rams are doing with Sean McVay. He's very innovative. Uh, you know, obviously we know like the Saints with Sean Payton. Um, you know, and I do tell a lot of people if you have a few minutes, go YouTube the. USC Trojans in around 2005, 2006 with Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush. Um, that that was kind of the start of this type of innovation in, in college football. And, you know, that's why that team did so well. They, you know, Pete Carroll and Coach O was on that program. They really thought outside the box and, and did obviously very well. Um, so if you want to see some of what LSU is going to do this year, go take a look at some of those USC games and some of those USC highlights, getting Reggie Bush out the backfield, uh, using him in space. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a couple teams I would take a look at. Yep. So make sure you all check those offenses out. If you're trying to look for some comparison, you know, I, I think you're going to see a, a very much improved screen game. I think you're going to use, you're going to see the, the tight end used, uh, Josh, we have that first practice. And, you know, we kind of talked about it, and we're going to get into it with this next question. Um, but, you know, that tight end position is going to be one to see. You know, Stephon Sullivan is a guy that wasn't there uh, today. I think some of that was just because of him graduating today. But this next question is, do you think we will ever see Thaddeus Moss on the field? I know he has battled some injuries. Injuries have been uh, an Achilles heel for Thaddeus Moss. Uh, but Thaddeus Moss was the starting tight end with that uh, first unit today. Uh, so, Josh, do you see uh, a lot of Thaddeus Moss this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like uh, like we were talking earlier, I, I don't see why we wouldn't see Thaddeus Moss. I think Coach O has, has stuck with him this long. Uh, you know, I don't know all the details as far as the injuries goes. It goes in. I know that's a couple maybe personal issue things going on the last couple of years. But, you know, Coach O has stuck with him. We know Thaddeus has, has the bloodline with his dad being Randy Moss. So um, the oper- he's going to get the opportunity. And, I, and Charles, I, I caught that myself before we got on that he was a starting tight end. So that shows you right there that Coach O is fully committed to using Thaddeus. And uh, the little bit of footage I did see him in the weight room. He looks like he's kept himself in great shape, you know, and he's to me, it's kind of that ideal size tight end that can do some blocking, but also you can you can get him out there and, and do some pass catching. I think Steven Sullivan, that's going to be more of a Jimmy Grant type tight end. I don't know how much blocking that they're going to that they're going to use him for. So 
Um, you know, I like I, I like the idea of using Moss. I mean, we can always use guys that uh, can catch the football and give us more weapons. Yeah, you know, the, the crazy thing to think about is tight end was the position that was being coached up by uh, Insminger, right? And Insminger was a quarterback. But, you know, being a tight end guy, you would kind of expect to see more tight end involved plays. And, yes, you did see Foster Moreau. Uh, I think Moreau was huge last year. But Ogeron said, you know, in press conference that what Brady has brought was a ton of tight end plays. You know, I, I we talked about the screenplay, talking about the offense. I think it's something LSU has struggled since Jimbo Fisher's that screen action. I think that you're going to see a lot better run screen action this year uh, under Joe Brady. So, look, I think, you know, Ogeron said that tight end position is going to be a receiving position more than a blocking position this year. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of guys like Stephon Sullivan and Thaddeus Moss get chances to shine in this offense. And I think they will, Josh. Um, you know, I think this is going to be the year that uh, you're going to see that tight end position have multiple guys uh, be studs uh, catching passes and catching touchdowns when that tight end position will have an advantage over a shorter linebacker or safety, uh, especially with those two guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I would say take a look like we mentioned, take a look kind of what the Saints will do. There'll be certain games where you kind of forget about a tight end that the Saints will have. And, and before you know it, that an individual will have three or four catches that didn't catch any any balls all year. So uh, Coach O is going to use that Brady concept. And I expect all them guys to get an opportunity uh, to make plays with, with this offense. Yeah, you talk about the Saints. You know, the, the blueprint to beat them last year was double Mike Thomas and bracket Alvin Kamara and pay a lot of attention to him. And, and then where do you throw the ball? You know, right. the teams are challenging him to beat him. Now with Jerry Cook, it's going to be hard to do that. Look at LSU. There's a little bit difference there, Josh, because they've got three receivers. The starting three today were Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall. And, you know, the Saints have one guy and some other guys that need to improve. LSU's got three receivers, and now they got backs coming out of the backfield, whether it be a Clyde edward Tiller, uh a John Emery, who is really elusive out of the backfield. Or, you know, a guy like Ty Davis, Josh, who I think Ty Davis's pass catching is underrated. So I think that you're going to see a lot from three different, uh, you know, pass catcher uh, positions uh, with this offense. And, and I think this offense is going to explode under Joe Brady as the pass catching or the passing coordinator. Uh, but that tight end question kind of goes into another one we got. And that is, do you think Torrey Carter – and Stephon Sullivan get more snaps at tight end this year. We kind of covered uh, Stephon Sullivan, um, but you know this guy's got multiple questions. He also said, "Also, do you see the running back rotation shaping it with four solid backs?" I think we kind of covered that, as we do see um, your starter as uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire with Chris Curry uh, being that Nick Brissett type of guy, but being that physical pounder. I think you see that, Josh. We saw him uh, in those reporting pictures where he looks just physically as a stud and, and then you also have those two uh freshmen he also has another question but kind of just uh touch on Tory carter who i think is going to be a pass catching uh fullback but i think he sticks at fullback um and you know he may get split out which you see in the saints offense but mm-hmm. i also think Tory carter is going to be blocking a lot and also with Stephon Sullivan. So talk about your four running back rotation um, and then those two guys as well. 
Yeah, you know, with, with this type of offense, it's the, it's the little bit I've seen from practice today. I'm not sure if people picked it up, but they had Clyde Edwards Elaire in motion. He went way out. He went way to the outside, and he came all all the way back and back into the backfield. You would have never seen that in a typical LSU offense in the past. Um, so. It, all that comes into play. I think Tory Carter is going to have some games where he gets an opportunity to be a pass catcher, like you said. Um, you, you see it with the Saints. There'll be two or three games a year where the fullback just goes off. He has two or three touchdowns. They slip him out the backfield on screen plays. You kind of forget about him. And I think Tory's going to be that role this year. You might see him at a little H-back, a little tight end, do some blocking. But he's going to be used all over the field uh, as a decoy at times. Um, and then, you know, when guys kind of <laughs> forget about Tory, that's that's when I think they can slip some of these uh, passes to him on the goal line. So, uh, yeah, I expect him to be a part of the offense. You know, like I said, this is the type of offense that's fun to play in, even for a fullback or a tight end or wide receiver, like you mentioned, with those guys that you always got to be ready for the ball. You know what I mean? And Drew Brees has proved that when Joe Brady being there with the Saints, these guys got to be ready. A any day could be your day. Right. So um, Terrence Marshall, I'm re I think he has a great year. He, he's going to explode it onto the scene big. Um, and, you know, you made a good point there, Charles, that that LSU has three legitimate, you know, stud type receivers. The Saints really are still looking for that other guy. So if if LSU really commits to this offense, it, it could be something special and fun, fun to watch. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think those guys will all have opportunities to make plays this year. And then you, the last portion of this question is, do you think LSU on defense will use four down linemen uh, more with so much talent on that defensive line? We kind of went through that defensive line. LSU's really two to three deep. Uh, they're too deep at that defensive or that nose tackle position. So, Josh, I really do not see uh, going four down linemen unless it's a goal line situation or maybe a, a heavy package that they have to uh, counter where that you know they bring in that extra fourth guy uh, when you know other teams are going heavy, but I Josh I don't really see seeing a lot of four down linemen, especially with a three four uh, being something that Aranda wants to run and he's been recruiting that for years as we've talked about on the recruiting trail. Uh, I really don't see much of that four down lineman and defensive line is probably one of the is probably the weakest spot on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, you're I think you're spot on right there, Charles. I, I think, you know, each situation, you you got to look at it. But um, four down line, I just don't think LSU is ready necessarily has the recruits for that yet. I think next year with this 2020 class, you know, with the commitment of Jacqueline Roy and a couple of these other big time defensive tackles, I think LSU, you might see uh, more four down linemen next year because they'll have they'll have the depth and the players to do it. But, yeah, I think you'll see them stick with more of a three, four type defense here. We all know Coach Aranda. He likes to dial up some crazy plays throughout out the game. Don't get me wrong. I think there'll probably be maybe five five to ten plays a game where you see a four-down lineman and, and some crazy sets. But uh, overall, I think they'll stick with the three, four this year. But look for more of a four-down lineman type setup next year when they got you know, bring in more of these recruits with a, a big defensive line class coming in. Well, I've got two more questions left, Josh. Uh, this one is, do you think Devontae Lee switches over to safety instead of wide receiver? Since he had a lot of good, or since we have a lot of good receivers here now and coming in, um, he was pretty good at safety, is what he was pointing out. But Josh, I think that Devontae Lee will get play at receiver this year. Uh, you know, one of those guys that um, was highly touted as a receiver in, in the recruiting ranks. I think that Devontae Lee gets a lot of play this year. 
Yeah, no, I think he, he's a, one, another one of them players that, you know, Joe Brady's got to be looking at it like, man, I got all these guys, these weapons. Lee's extremely talented. I know he was an athlete out of high school. I just think he has his best opportunity with LSU on this team to play wide receiver. I just don't see him moving to the, to the defensive side of the ball unless, it, you know, unless there's a need there. You know how people get, people get injured. I mean, not saying – we've seen that in the bowl game last year. You're not saying that that couldn't happen. But in my opinion, I think he has the most success on this team and the way he's the type of athlete he is um, playing wide receiver. I think Joe Brady could use an individual like him. He's a big kid. Uh, he's thick for his age already, but he's an athlete. So, you know, coming across the middle in different sets, um, you know, I think the opportunity for him to make, make plays this year early. Well, let's wrap up with this last question, and that question is uh, talking about the hype. How great is it that there is more hype coming from other media around the country this year than LSU's hype train, uh, which has fallen flat over the years? Uh, You know, you've seen less sunshine pumping with this team, Josh, and you've seen that coaches poll with LSU coming in at six um, that was released yesterday. It, It seems like LSU and the hype sunshine pumping that has come from this team is come from that offense. But I think people around this team and the media understand this team is talented. And a lot of, a lot of news has been coming up about that offense. But Josh, I think we both agree that we want to see it to believe it. Uh, You know, we've seen some things uh, and heard the things about this offense, but you know, even early on in camp, you really haven't, you know, you're going to see it in that first game, that Texas game, that hype has kind of, yes, it's fallen flat from local media, but I think it's just that there's a respect and understanding that this team is really talented this year. Yeah, you know, Charles, that's that's correct. I think some of the early, early polls I've seen had LSU at like 12, 13 um, in that range. But, you know, just if you just know, keep up with recruiting and look at the sheer talent and what LSU has on the uh, – defensive side of the ball, especially in the backfield. I just didn't feel like that was fair and right. And now you kind of see them fall into kind of where I thought they would be. And I think it's fair is at six to eight range. Um, if LSU had a proven offense, I think there'd be even, there'd be some more hype. Um, I just think everybody in the national media um, wants to, see, you wants to see it. Like just me and you keep saying, we need to see it first. If now, uh, a few weeks go by, and LSU's putting up big points and big numbers against quality teams. Um, LSU, LSU's got the talent to, to win a national championship every year. So um, I think it's 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 real hype in a sense that they know LSU's talented, but everybody in the country that follows college football wants to see if this is really true and LSU's going to commit to an, a spread offense. Um, and like I told you this story in the past that I had a friend of on an Alabama fan, he's interested in seeing it. He wants to see what LSU could really be with a, a, a solid quarterback and a spread offense that really throws the ball around the field. And he think, you know, if that's the case, LSU is going to be dangerous. Well, that wraps up our questions. Josh, I know this 2020 class, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, we talked about it with 2019. Seems like this class is pretty wrapped up for the most part with that early signing day and with these kids locking in. Uh, with their commitments, Josh, you know, this class seems to kind of be wrapped up with maybe a few guys that could be added. I know we talked about Guillory being a guy which, you know, LSU's targeting is that maybe that last defensive tackle to bring into the class. He obviously has a spot with this class. 
Um, who are a couple other guys we could be looking as LSU tries to wrap that class out? And could we maybe see a, a guy or two uh, with the way recruiting is kind of push out, you know? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's that's the world we live in with recruiting. Uh, let me say this real quick about it, that with the early signing period, uh, it, it's really changed the game of recruiting. Um I think some of the kids found out the hard way in their parents when they still tried to play that game where I'm a holdout and stuff and they lost spots. Now you see the parents and the, and the kids taking a different approach. They're grabbing their spots early at these big programs and they're locking themselves in so they don't lose the spots and programs are locking up, you know, between 18 and 20, 20 commits in their, in their you know, by the early signing period. Um, so it, it's a different game now. And I actually kind of like that myself, uh, but a couple of names, I know, we talked about Jacobian, Hillary, uh, the big defensive tackle. Like you said, he does have a spot on this team if he wants it, and I do think he commits to LSU. Um, you know, if LSU lands him, Charles, I think this is probably arguably the best defensive line class we've seen in probably the last 15 or 20 years. It'd be a tremendous class for LSU. And, you know, we needed it with the issues there on the defensive line the last few years uh, with injuries and stuff. So it would be a good get for LSU. Um, keep an eye on a guy like Marcus Doomerville out of Florida. He's at last, I think, um, offensive lineman at, at LSU and Coach O is pushing for a big offensive tackle. So that that's – I think we need to – whoever that is, Charles, I think LSU needs to grab one more tackle. Um, I, I'd feel comfortable if they grab one more tackle uh, for this class. And there's still some other names out there, right, like Coy Moore, Ashai Clayton. Um, so there's still some really good, good, uh, good talent out there. Um, so – Who's those last few going to be? That's why you mentioned. I think some guys might might get get pushed out of this class. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how how it ends up. I think LSU might end up, you know, three spots left. But I think we might end up seeing four or five new names when this class is uh, when this class is finally wrapping up. Yeah, and don't be surprised to see maybe a guy like Zachary Evans. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, him, but yeah, yeah. Zachary Evans is definitely somebody that you should keep an eye on. Um, you know, I didn't mention him, Charles, but you, you're dead on. I'm glad you brought him up that. Um, I'm not sure if he commits to LSU, but I know LSU is pushing, pushing extremely hard to get his commitment. Some of the other other running backs uh, went to, to other teams. Uh, it looks like LSU's lining themselves up for that commitment, and that would be a big get for LSU. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, right on, Josh. Um, you know, because I do think that a running back needs to be added to this class. Um and, and, you know, maybe a guy like Coy Moore could be added as well because it mm -hmm. seems like he will be dropping where he's going to be going August 17th. LSU's in play there. Uh, we talked about the center uh, out of New Orleans in the past, uh, a guy who's been really shooting up, you know, Georgia's yep. after him. Um, he, you know, he's one of the few elite centers in this class, uh, a guy that you can put in day one. And, you know, with Lloyd Cushenberry um, – you know, getting that 18 and being the guy we talked about earlier, uh, his time will be coming to an end shortly at LSU. Uh, you know, do you go with that with Smith or do you maybe look somewhere else? Uh, you know, bringing that guy from New Orleans would be someone that um, could create competition and solidify that center position. So I do think offensive line, you talked about Dumerville. I think tackle is going to be a position LSU is going to be looking at uh, to increase talent with this class. Um, which they haven't done yet. I know we had one earlier. Maybe he comes back. We'll see how that goes. But, Josh, uh, looking forward to the season uh, as we get into it, you know, we're definitely going to be doing this weekly uh, recap like we did last year, which had a lot of 
success, and I think a lot of people liked it. Uh, so it's something we're going to be redoing again, as well as the weekly previews when we bring in a guest, uh, a media member from that opposing team. Uh, starting out probably with that Texas, we will look to maybe get someone from Georgia Southern. Uh, but Josh, looking at the season coming up, uh, what can we be expecting not only from you but us as a whole? Yeah, this is a year, uh, Charles, that you can look at us really take a a good look at at the overall program. And um, like you'd mentioned, it, it'd be I think it'd be a good opportunity for myself and, and you to uh, team up with some of these these other media members from these other pro- programs. And uh, it's always fun when you can get a different perspective of a, you know a Texas or you know a Georgia or an Alabama from somebody who really pays attention to the program like we do at LSU. Uh, like and you had mentioned in the past with honesty with these guys you can really get when when you break it down like that with somebody who's got that knowledge of the program you know it's it, it's fun so uh, i look forward to that this year um keep an eye on on the uh, on the website we'll be doing our you know our regular interviews with some of the recruits uh i'll be making week week to week predictions on on the uh, website some people have reached out and said they would like me to predict not just lsu some of the other big games in the sec and uh, you know the the national spotlight so uh you know i'm always open to new things so feel free you know shoot me a dm or an email and you know we'll just go from there well y'all make sure y'all give josh a, fil- a follow on twitter at lsu fball truth make sure you follow the primetime podcast on twitter at primetime underscore pod uh, but Josh, looking forward to this season, uh, lots to be excited about as this team has high expectations, uh, something we talked about earlier in the podcast, but, uh, excited to see how camp goes excited for that first Georgia Southern game. Football is back, Josh. Uh, I know you're excited as well. Um, but looking forward to what's to come from the season. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's all just going to be a, a season that I won't go too much in predictions, but um, that's going to be on uh, our next show, most likely. So, just I, I honestly, truly believe that LSU's got a, got an opportunity to be there at the end this year. You know, we we need quality elite quarterback play, but uh, you know, uh, LSU's got they they have what it takes. You know, and I know that's tough to win it all, but I would like to see LSU there at you know one of those top four teams at the end for the college football playoffs. And I honestly believe that you know they have the the personnel to make that happen this year. But you know how it is; you got to put it all together. Well, for Josh Lemoyne, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy the, the last few weeks of summer uh, as it is shaping up to be a good weekend. But as always, God bless.